From Women's Health Australia, this is Uninterrupted, a podcast where we chat about all aspects of health and well-being so that you can live a happier and healthier life. I'm Lisa Gebilagin. Going through a very public divorce is tough. Having a baby in the pandemic is just as hard, if not harder. And staying fit as you go from your 20s into your 30s and then hitting 40 with all the life changes and extra responsibilities that come your way, well, that can be a whole other challenge in itself. But Jenna Dewan seems to be working it out. The actor, dancer and producer, who we all first fell in love with in the movie Step Up, has spent the past few years working on herself in order to create boundaries, reconnect with what she truly wants and find her power. And now at 40, life for Jenna is better than ever. Today, she shares exactly how she got there. I literally am like head to toe, so drenched in like sweat and momness right now that I was like, I cannot have anyone see me. (laughs) (laughs) Um, That's okay. Because it's quite quite early here and I, I have a... She's almost eight months old now, eight month old baby who keeps me awake quite a lot at night. So she hasn't learned to sleep through the night yet. So when you just, when you requested no video, I was like, sweet. Yeah, yeah, I know. Isn't that like the 20, 20, 20, 21 way we're like, Zoom, but can it be no video? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. Works for everyone. Um, I feel with you. No sleeping. Oof. Yep. Yep. Um, So, You are one of a handful of gorgeous souls who have been on our women's health cover a few times over the years. So I was wondering, what was your approach to fitness like in your 20s and how did it evolve in your 30s and now that you're 40? Very good question. Um, Well, I grew up physically active nonstop because of being a dancer and I started really early on. So I was dancing since I was five. So really... I would say my entire life, I I didn't know life without extreme physical discipline. Mm -hmm. It was hours and hours of dance class after school. Uh, You know, I would do cheerleading, then I would go to dance, doing my homework on the way there. You know, it was on, on the way home. And so hours of fitness for me, yes, it was my passion, but it was also just completely the norm. So I think. I've just always been a really active person in my twenties. I was still a professional dancer and, and getting into acting, but I was taking classes. I was always staying with my routine and trying to better my craft thirties. I would say, um, well, I had Evie when I was 31. So thirties kind of became a little bit I wouldn't say less active, but it was a little bit more, um, less dance classes, more, exercise classes and hiking and making sure with my first pregnancy, I was just wild about working out throughout the whole pregnancy. Mm-hmm. Um, Same. <laughs> you know, that, yeah. I was like, Oh, I am that girl. I'm, you know, <laughs> seven months pregnant, still doing, you know, two mile hikes. <laughs> oh my God. I laughed because I was similar. I was like seven months pregnant. I'm still boxing in the ring. Check me out. <laughs> oh, for sure. I think my, there was a, trainer I was working with with uh, the time JJ Dancer and Jennifer would just laugh at me in the back doing all the twerking and popping and hip hop <laughs> with my big old pregnant belly and people just, you know, I, I loved it. Um, and then of course you have your child and then it becomes so much harder because you're sleep deprived and you're exhausted and mm-hmm. you have to kind of carve out the time. 
And then now, I mean, with Callum and my pregnancy there, I was 39. So, and I was working and very busy. So it was harder for me to work out as much. And so now I'm, you know, sort of catching up after the fact. So, and it's about switching it up now in my forties, I think it's muscle training with Pilates plus hiking with friends, like, and it's getting it in whenever I can get it in. Yeah. There's not that pressure anymore to be active all the time. No, there's not that pressure. And just life, you know, life expanded and got a little busier and there's a lot more focus on um, being present and Mm. sort of living life rather than, uh, okay, you know, I'm going to go work out. I'm going to do this. And and then of course, pandemic and COVID. And so that sort of stopped any group working out classes. So now it is, um, it's just about, okay, what are my priorities? Staying healthy is obviously always a priority, but so is staying connected, being present, being there with my kids, with my family, working, you know, it all kind of goes hand in hand now. So I was wondering, after you had Everly, when you were so used to being so active and especially in your pregnancy when you were very, very active, and then just after having your baby being forced to stay still, basically. How were you able to deal with that? Because I found it quite difficult. Say I had my baby in January and I had a cesarean and I couldn't Mm -hmm. walk properly for a long time. And for me, it was quite hard because for me, physical activity is also like moving meditation and it helps me be less anxious. So I was wondering, how did you handle that transition? Yes, that was uh, difficult for me as well, because physical activity, moving my body is, um, I forget, you know, I forget how important it is. And sometimes I'll have gone a few days or I'll go a bit of time and I, and I'm like, why do I feel a little bit more anxious than normal? And, you know, I'm not connected in the same way. And I said, Oh, right. You haven't moved your body. Mm. So you haven't really been active. And yes, for sure. I also had two cesareans and, um, yeah, that, that period of time after where you're just really still and not really, you know, walking around well. And, um, it, it is difficult, but it's also, um, I, my focus was so on obviously just surviving and taking care of these beautiful babies and stuff that I wasn't as focused on it, but I definitely know without a doubt when I start to feel anxious, my first check-in with myself is, when have you moved your body recently? <laughs> yeah. That so was, I just have to make it, I have to make time for myself. Yeah. That was actually going to be one of my questions for you. Like if there, if you had any telltale signs that makes you think, hang on a second, I don't, I'm not feeling like myself. And then what do you do to make sure that you get back to that connection? My telltale signs are over worrying. So I start to worry and then the worry grows And then I'm worrying about things I don't need to be worrying about. And I was like, oh, I'm on the worry train. Okay, number one. Number two, I can tell my breath. I'm not breathing as deeply or my voice kind of gets tight or I get overwhelmed. And I, you know, I just start realizing these little things that are going on that I've realized, okay, you're not taking enough time for yourself. You've kind of overmaxed yourself. The anxiety is starting to set in. And things that really help me are working out, moving, dancing, walking, getting fresh air, something outside in nature, even taking 10 minutes to just like go in another room, do anything, you know, something just for yourself to kind of, you know, bring a little breath into your life. I also am a huge fan of baths at night. That really helps Mm -hmm. me is like 
kind of locking everyone out of the bathroom being like, I need a bath <laughs> all to myself with yeah. my oil, my salts and some music and to relax. But yeah, physical movement is a huge one for me. That is always a good energy boost, mood lifter, and it helps me get into my body. That's why I kind of use that phrase a lot. And some people go, well, what does that mean? And it's when I'm too in my head mm. thinking too much and I'm not connected to the earth. Like I'm not connected into my body. And when I'm in my body and doing things to connect with my body, I um, make better decisions. I feel better. I'm just not as spacey. I can tend to be very forgetful and have a little bit of, you know, just forgetfulness and spaciness and ungroundedness. So I have to do these things. Otherwise I can tell all my signs when I've lost my keys like four times in a day. (laughs) I'm like, you need to go work out and do something to get in your body. What you were saying there reminds me of what you wrote in your book, Gracefully You, about how when you stopped searching outwardly and started looking and working within, you learned who you truly are and what you wanted and needed to live your best life. Can you give me a specific example in your life of how you did that? Yeah. um, It turned, it was a perspective shift from why is this happening to me? You know, this, the, the feelings that come in of, you know, um, you lose a job, your relationship ends that what we call bad things happen. Yeah. And instead of focusing on why these things are happening to me or going into a victim mindset, I really, it, it changed for me when I started thinking these things might be for me and they might be happening for me to like, show me something, teach me something, part of my path and journey. I'm learning. Uh, maybe there's a pattern here. I just turned it towards myself. Now that doesn't mean that we all have to say, this is all because of me and that, you know, everything bad happens. It just means that within the times of stress and turmoil, I attempted to at least do the work to realize my part in it and what it was showing me and teaching me. And hopefully I would learn from it so that I can either make a different decision or change the course of things. And it kind of gave me a little bit more um, reflection. It put me back on my power and it, and it just gives you like the ability to handle hard things because hard things happen. Mm -hmm. I've had so many things. I mean, from you name it, jobs not working out, divorce. I mean, I've gone through a lot of things and instead of feeling victimized, it doesn't mean I allow myself not to feel sad or bad feelings because I do, but I just try not to feel victimized by things. And I try to think, okay, this is here for a reason. Let me go to therapy and work out what I'm learning from all this. Well, that's a really good distinction. You make the difference between not feeling the bad feelings and just sitting in them, but then not being victimized by them. It's a really good distinction to yeah. make. Yeah. And it, I I know it's not always easy. Listen, I'm not the one that says, oh yeah, and whatever. They just roll off me. But I've just gotten to a point where I understand that patterns repeat themselves in lives. Mm. And I just like to kind of think about that and get introspective about that and meditate as kind of connecting to something larger than myself, feeling that flow a little bit just really helps me inward. Inwardly is always my go-to. Is there an example of a pattern that you feel comfortable 
to share with our audience just so they, they can see a specific example of how it actually works in life? Um, yeah, for, I mean, I, I love to help anybody, women, especially I talk a lot about codependency and how that is a, an issue that I think I, I've been awakened to in myself that I work on in therapy that I work on just in general in my life. And it's allow it happens, you know, a lot of people have these tendencies, but it can happen, you know, from childhood trauma or anything that happens in life where you, you learn to try and keep yourself harmonized and your space happy and your space. Okay. And rather than getting comfortable with being uncomfortable, not trying to fix everyone and everything around you and going, filling yourself up, asking for your own needs, your own wants, very easy to say, harder to put into practice. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, it's a little tricky. You don't always think that's happening or you don't always know that that's something you're dealing with. And there were just moments that I started realizing, oh, I'm choosing to try and do something at the expense of myself to create harmony around me. Mm. So I just had to learn that that's not the, um, the most, uh, I wouldn't say best way, but that's just a pattern that I personally was awakened to that I thought, Oh, I want to work to change that because it just, you know, it was costing me a lot of energy and creating not the most healthy of dynamics. And, um, so I work a lot with, allowing people their own feelings, not trying to jump in and save it or change it. And that goes for my children that goes across the board. And yeah, so codependency for me was, is something and is something that I continually grow from and come into my power with and work on. And I guess that's another great point too, is that people think that once you deal with something in your life, that once it's dealt with, it's done and move on, but it's continuous, isn't it? Is continuous. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. Like, yeah, we're never really done. There's no, never, you never get to this like finish line in your life, and you're like, yes. But what's kind of great is what I've learned is the hard work does pay off in the sense that you grow and you learn more about yourself, and so therefore your just experience gets deeper and better. You know yourself more, and it sounds so corny. And if you told me this at 20, I probably would have rolled my eyes. But (laughs) when you like know yourself and actually feel better within your whole, everything feels better. And so you get older and you really start to focus on, all right, I'm just going to work on myself and Mm. be there for myself. You know, it's the best. I, I have realized like, oh, wow, that does feel really good when you've just grown internally, like when you've just come more in your power and you feel better overall your quality of life and just your surroundings gets better. So here in Australia, there are many parts of the country in lockdown or parts of the country that have been in out of in been in and out of lockdowns. Now you had your son Callum last year in March before the pandemic took hold of the world. What advice do you have that worked for you for women here who are about to give birth in these really mm-hmm. strange times? Oof, I know that was a really wild thing. I I had Callum and then a week later we went into pandemic. Mm. And so, um, you know, it's tough. It's, it's funny because there's a part of me that I was in that postpartum haze a little bit. So I just really kind of, my perspective was like cocoon and be with your baby and your family. The good thing is you can't go anywhere. The hard thing is you can't go anywhere, yeah. but 
also take advantage of the moment. And so I tried to really uh, have that perspective. Okay, I'm not going to be stuck in the house forever. Mm. And right now I want to really be grounding with my family. So just keep that as my focus. And I did, I, I kept in touch with the world, but I wasn't too in touch with the world. So I suggest focusing on what's good and what's in your life and your family and this new baby. And, you know, I don't suggest tuning out, but I think maybe less is more at that moment in time. And just, just really take that time for yourself and for your family and know that this is the way it is and just kind of get through it is what we did. Yeah. Cause it's not like we can do a lot to change it at the moment either. It's out of, out of our control. It's out of control. And that's, sometimes the hardest thing for people and I know is for me, but ultimately I look back, sometimes I look back at these pictures and it's a blur, but then I'm like, wow, I got all that quality time Mm -hmm. with um, Callum, like as a baby and with Evie and Callum and Steve and just all really kind of being uh, a little unit in the house. So perspective is everything. Mm. You've spoken before about experiencing postpartum anxiety when you had Everly. Did you experience it when you had Callum? No, um, not in the same way. I had, uh, I would say the anxiety second time around was not nearly as strong. Mm. With, you know, Evie, it was just very different circumstances. And with Callum, I don't know, it could also have been that it's my second baby. So I kind of knew. Yeah. You know, obviously you kind of know what's coming. It was my second C-section. So I, I kind of knew what to expect there. And um, that's part of the beauty of having all that time with each other together. It was almost, it was like, it was yummy. You know, it was, it was a <laughs> nice, it was nice. It was lots of cuddles and it was great. So yeah, luckily it was uh, um, easier on that, in that front. I was reading another interview that you did where you talk about how quickly you went back to work after having Everly. And it just made me think of my current situation, like going back to work. My baby was only four, well, not two months like yours was at the time, but four to five months old. And then being plunged into this massive job that I hadn't done before, but it was like such an amazing opportunity. I couldn't say no, but it's it's so wonderful and then so challenging as well. Yes. Yes. I, I completely relate with you. Um, I don't think it's, it's a shift to your first baby. It's yeah. First baby. Yes. So learning that balance and it's so many things to balance, you know, it's timing, it's working, it's mom guilt, it's time for yourself. It's, you know, all of it across the board and, and so many ways. Um, so I feel for parents and for mothers, especially because there's not always a ton of support for working mothers. Mm. If you notice, and I always found this really interesting. Um, you never hear someone say, Oh, he's a working father. Never, ever. You always hear she's a working mom. Yes. And even if we're all awake to this, it it gets into the consciousness. There's a Mm. bit of a um, pressure. Oh, she's a working mom, you know? Um, And so I find, I just, I just relate with women and I have so much empathy because there is a lot of pressure of, okay, so you go to work and then you're coming home and then you're supposed to hold up the house as well. And it's just a lot. And so I think it's about balance, finding out what your needs are, making sure you 
at least get some time for yourself within the week. Um, and just giving yourself a break. All of us women need to give each other a break. It's like, let's not judge ourselves. Let's not judge each other. Let's just be there for each other. And we're all doing the best we can. Yeah, exactly. That's what, that's the phrase that I keep repeating to myself. We're doing the best we can, doing the best yeah, we can. We're doing the best we can. And that's, <laughs> and that's enough. <laughs> yeah. So what does your new pandemic normal look like these days? Yes. Pandemic normal. It changes. It's in flux. Mm. I mean, we're, we've been pretty, uh, cautious, I would say in a good way. You know, I'm, I'm very aware of my kids' safety and our family safety. So we are pretty, um, we don't go out too much to many large places. We are um, very good now with a home routine. We've gotten quite great at it. My daughter did just start school for the first time today. So we're oh, back wow. in, yeah, which has been really good. It's been a year and a half. So um you know, that's a little bit getting back to normal. Yeah. It's a new normal is what I kind of tell myself. It's, I don't, I think this expectation things are just going to go back to normal might be a little bit high. Mm-hmm. So it's finding the new normal, um, outdoor activities, play dates here and there, um, with one kid outdoors fight, you know, little things like I had to go for, for the work on, on the rookie that I'm doing right now, we have to get COVID tested three times a week. But just coming to the COVID test, Evie said, I want to drive in the car with you, mom, and let's listen to an audiobook. And on the way back, let's listen to these songs. And so I do notice as a whole, we're enjoying little things a lot more. Yeah. Um, and I love that. But it's just safe. You know, we wear our masks and we're uh, careful about where we go, make sure we're going outdoors until we know more. You know, I follow the science and I, I, um, protect my family and I do what I think is safe for us. Hmm. There's a lot of ordering in. Yeah. <laughs> we have our favorite restaurants. We have a lot of movie nights and we have a lot of pool dates. <laughs> that sounds so nice. <laughs> yeah, not the worst thing in the world. No. There are so many great production companies at the moment, like your own company, Everheart Productions, which you founded in 2017, that are focused on producing more female-centric stories and in turn creating more opportunities for women, which is brilliant. I'd love for you to share the belief it took and some of the challenges you overcame to start your company so that our women's health audience can you know, channel that same kind of energy to create more opportunities for themselves and women in whatever industry they're working in. Yes, I'm a big believer in believing in yourself and creating for yourself. So I I believe in a seed, an idea, and building upon that and creating your dreams. And yeah, it was an idea just kind of came into my head one day about, you know, I'm I'm ready to start creating a little bit and I want to be a little bit more in control of what I'm making and create opportunity for myself and for other people. And so it just start I started and I I think for everyone listening, it is a long-term commitment. You mm. can have your end goal and your visionary of what you wish to create, but know that there will be steps along the way. There'll be setbacks. There'll be things that go really well. But as long as you're aware that it's a long-term goal to get where you want, but you'll get there, I I believe it's less easy to give up. It's um, You just trust the process a lot more. So we've been three years in this production company and we've developed a lot of things, things that have gone forward, things that have still kind of fall off and then new things come in, but I've learned to just stay in the flow. And I have in my mind, the picture of what I desire Everheart, my company to be. And I focus on that and I 
trust that all the things coming in will align with that. And I open, I'm open to possibilities that I don't have one way it's going to look. I just know what I want to feel and what I'd like to create in the end goal. And, you know, I, I talk to people, I ask people how I can get from A to B. You know, I ask people who I think are smarter than me and have done this before, give mm-hmm. me some tips. So I think it's about staying focused. Don't overwork yourself, but get in the flow and surrender and just be open to the possibilities and you got to go after it. How do you work on the not overworking yourself part? Because I feel like people who create these kinds of opportunities are usually the types of people who do tend to overwork themselves. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm. It's an, also an old mentality. It's like work hard, work, 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 work. Mm. Um, and yes, but I think think we've learned that that just kind of burns you to the floor and then you have no personal life and you have no balance in your life. And then you've got to do the work later on to try and create that. So I like to work a little differently where I I have a manifestation goal. Like I know what it is I'm going for and I take action towards it, but I also align myself with what I'm what I'm intending. And I surrender a lot and I kind of stay in a flow and I I think to myself, oh, okay, well, this person could be good for this. Let's try this. That didn't work out. Okay, let's try this person. But I, I'm not an 8 a.m. to midnight grinder. You know, I, I feel like I've been more successful when I make goals and align with them and make time for all the other things in my life too. So there's, there's just a flow. Yeah, and allow that space for things to come up that you might not have even been planning for. Um, and might not look like exactly what you wanted, but it's still aligned with those overarching goals. So finally, what does wellness mean to you? Wellness to me is a feeling of compassion for myself, for others, healthy choices, introspection, joy, aligning myself with my goals and desires and purpose in this life and high energy and physical activity. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jenna. I really appreciate your time and it's such a great chat and thank you for being so open. Um, It was really enjoyable. That was awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Have a good one. Bye. Bye. It's not often that Hollywood stars are this open in interviews, so a big thank you to Jenna for sharing her story with us. Now to state the obvious here, this year hasn't been the easiest one on record, so if you're looking for more inspiring stories, pick up the latest issue of Women's Health with Jenna on the cover. You'll find great reads on the benefits of having even a smidge of optimism in these crazy times. Tips for getting a sweat on when you really couldn't be asked. And our expert approved list of real superfoods versus, you know, the ones that just have a great marketing budget. Also, I should mention that since Jenna and I spoke about postnatal anxiety, if that's something that you want support with, visit panda.org.au. Thanks for listening to Uninterrupted. This episode was hosted and produced by me, Lisa Gebelagen. For more from us, visit womenshealth.com.au. See you next time.